0: To my show America can we talk today we're going to talk about project Veritas exposes Anthony Fauci Tal Heinrich joins me to talk about the heroes of Liberty children's books you will love these and the CDC coming cleaner on COVID. and of course I'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned
1: I am a
0: On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. Special hello, of course, to our online listeners watching faithfully. Thank you so very much, but also to our new listeners on Bridian Radio. I love that you've joined us. I've loved. I was invited to join Bridian Radio. I want to welcome you to the show. The show is America. Can we talk? And you can read more about it and learn more about it online at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. In this first five today, I want to talk about just explosive news that emerged last night here in America which was that Project Veritas is fantastic organization that goes undercover and digs out truth being hidden from the American people on all sorts of topics. And James O'Keefe, the founder and main spokesman is just relentless in pursuing truth, even when threatened with litigation, which he often is. But the story that came out last night was that Project Veritas has has now in its hands, in its hands, information that shows that the Department of Defense here in the United States of America, our Department of Defense knew as of early, early in 2020, that number one, Dr. Fauci had agreed to fund the gain-of-function research related to the Wuhan lab, the the ability that made that virus so harmful and dangerous to everyone, He knew about it, the Department of Defense knew about it. In fact, the Department of Defense entity had been approached, asked if they would take on this research, this gain of function. This entity within the Department of Defense said, no, that's not permissible. Anthony Fauci said, sure, I'm up for that. This is NIH doing this, and the second, uh, many explosive pieces of information. But the other big one was that as of April 2020, so very early on in this whole COVID episode in America, Department of Defense confirmed that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were curative as it applies to COVID. So what we know now, just that the Department of Defense knew this and that you have to assume that Anthony Fauci knew this. And yet we have the activities of Dr. Fauci and others at the national level, not just Uh, casting aspersions or questions about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but affirmatively scaring and frightening the American people, telling them these treatments were dangerous and perhaps deadly, therefore resulting in many people perishing, losing their lives when these effective medications were available right before their eyes. A very quick clip from Mr. Becker, my happy producer, to play for you. This is the exchange between Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci, in which Fauci was denying that he had uh, engaged in funding gain-of-function research. Take it away, Mr. Becker.
1: Project Veritas has obtained never-before-seen military documents. disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they, or from Dr. Collins, and you you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort a published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down.
0: I want to tell you that the exchange, there are two clips and Mr. Becker's trying very hard to get to the right one. We're going to leave that alone. I will tell you that in the exchange, I want you to hear, I'll play later in the show, Senator Rand Paul, a doctor and also member of the U.S. Senate, is directly asking him, asking Fauci, you're denying that you funded gain-of-function research. You're denying that. And Fauci, in Bill Clinton fashion, says, well, it depends on the meaning of the word is, which was Clinton's line. Fauci saying, well, it depends what you mean by gain-of-function research. What has become clear to America from the discovery revealed by Project Veritas folks today, uh, last night and today, is that Department of Defense knew exactly what was happening. They knew the gain of functional research had been funded by Dr. Fauci. They knew he was lying to Congress, lying to the American people, that he didn't have anything to do with that. Trying to get away a very similar thing to Bill Clinton, depends on the meaning, word, is, is kind of defense. Much more to come on this. We're gonna hit this again later in the show today, and I'm sure more days as more Project Veritas um, investigation is uh, released to the world. But the takeaway from this first five today is that we really have assuming that what is being described by Project Veritas at publicly statements out there being, telling America about it, if what they're describing is accurate. Dr. Fauci has misled, lied to the American people about the efficacy of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine at a time when Americans were perishing in large numbers from COVID, And then secondly, that he did, despite his denials, apparently fund the, or at least partially fund, the research and the gain of function at the Wuhan lab, an allegation he's denied repeatedly under oath. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So we have joining us, this is just the coolest darn story. You know, I think I've mentioned to you many times uh, that my husband has a business uh, partner uh, in Israel. And so he is connected with all sorts of uh, really interesting, uh, really creative, interesting uh, people in Israel. Well, one gentleman my husband came to know uh, is was involved in publishing these books. I'm going to show you. I brought three of them to the studio today. Uh, and these are basically, they're called the Heroes of Liberty, Heroes of Liberty series. And it's basically a bunch of books that are talking about The great people in American history, and I I saw on their website today, they had Margaret Thatcher. And I mean, she kind of should have been American, or maybe we should have been more like her. But in any case, heroes throughout history who stand up for liberty, their children's books, not, you know, five-year-old's books, but, you know, maybe middle school age, really informative, really substantive, but praising the virtues and values of of people who stand for liberty. This is the ones on Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, This is that book there. I'm trying to make sure that, yeah, there you go. Amy Coney Barrett, Uh, Ronald Reagan, one on him called It's "Morning in America. You got to love that title. That was his uh, famous speech. Um, And Thomas Sowell, my hero of all time in America, Thomas Sowell, a self-made man. And these are basically three of the books they have. And we're going to bring on to join us someone who's actually kind enough to join us from Israel. She lives in New York, but she is in Israel right now. So it's 11 at night. So if she dozes off, we'll give her a lot of, we'll give her a break. But we have joining us, Tal Heinrich. Hello.
2: Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: So glad you're here. Well, I would just love, you know, you're the spokesperson for this, these amazing books, the outreach person for these Heroes of Liberty books. So just, I'd love to have you just rock and roll. Tell us all about them, how you got involved, what they do, what you, the value you think they bring.
2: Well, it's a much needed initiative, I'll tell you that. It came, you know, it was born out of the realization that there is uh, simply, to to put it in one word, a fight going on. Uh, First, in many fields, you know, but also in the field of, of education. And there's some things that parents can't control, unfortunately, and some things that parents can control, like their children's bedtime. A bedtime story, but but here's the thing that if you go to the bookstores, if you know what's online, then children's literature, and and, and I don't want to call it really literature because it's not literature anymore. It's uh, pure activism. It's it's wokeism. These are the trends that we see in you know in in the children's section. Uh, our books are aimed at children between the ages seven and twelve. I would say. And uh, we decided that there is a need for books of this kind that simply uh, tell a story that embodies American values of, you know, freedom and family and liberty and self-reliance and ambition and, and you know, whatnot and, and free market and positivity. And uh, they do educate, but they don't preach. They educate by telling a story serving as an example showing children a hero a true hero who in his or her life journey um embody these values as simple as that we we believe in teaching by example by showing and speaking of showing our illustrations um are simply stunning we we really put in a lot of upside down in oh it's upside down thank you for telling me yeah, well, because because I'm on, on the other side of the world, you know, so things are changing here. It's, it's not only the time. So uh, each book has a different style of illustrations, and it's it's not only the, the 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 script, the text itself. It's it's also the these beautiful illustrations that tell a story. Here, by the way, I just opened up the scene. I know you like Thomas, Sowell. I personally think he is a national treasure, not only an American hero, but. Um, simply a national treasure and in this scene, um, you know, Thomas always saw the way to promote himself in life through education and he didn't want any shortcuts, but he knew what he deserved. So he came, he moved to New York as a kid from the South. And when he arrived in New York to live with his aunt, um, he, his education was looked down upon because he came from the South, uh, back when, you know, things were still segregated. And, um. And he was put in the third grade, and he told his teachers, the principal of the school, well, I, I don't belong here, I, I, I know better, I belong in the fourth grade. And eventually, you know, he showed them that he deserved to be in the fourth grade, and later on, when he became a professor, um, he also didn't give his students any shortcuts, Any he didn't want any favors and he didn't want to give passing grades to students uh that's what we tell that that's a nice story that we tell in this book to a to uh, a student who did not deserve this grade so he rather chose to tutor her you know and teach her when he had time to make sure that she can pass the test on her own so that is something that we want to show Uh, our children you know push yourself self-reliance personal responsibility and tons of ambition and each one of these books and and i have all the first three in the series here with me um, embody these
0: values Uh, tal that was a great description i can tell you one thing i was thinking about these when you read biographies i love biographies but when you're a child and you just hear a lecture whether it's from your parents or a teacher or anyone, you kind of, you get like a bullet point list, here are the attributes, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, try this. But when you read someone's life, it's like it becomes more believable to you that a real person embraced these values and then succeeded. They're very, biographies are powerful. And I I don't know how early on you're involved in this, but I just love this idea. So I know you have the three I mentioned, Amy Coney Barrett, Ronald Reagan, Thomas Sowell. Uh, Who's coming next? Uh, just you know, um, following up on
2: what you just said, it's it's all there. It, it's factual. We don't you know preach. It's not activism. This is a real story here. Um, it actually happened in real life. Uh, so coming up, I don't want to reveal all the names that we're going to have <laughs> because okay. I'll tell you why. Because uh, first we do sell the books individually, or you can also purchase uh, on HeroesOfLiberty.com all the first three books in the series. Uh, I also have Amy Coney Barrett here. So Ronald Reagan, Thomas, all, and Amy Coney Barrett are the first uh, four, three books that we have now. The fourth one I'll give you that. It's a book about John Wayne, and it's it's also very 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 exciting for us because you know. Uh, it's The title is, uh, we, we call it John Wayne Manhood and Honor. It's not just a story about, you know, a young kid who overcomes hardships and, and poverty, coming from a, a poor background to become the biggest star the world has ever seen. It's uh, much more than that. It's a story about an, an actor whose life mission was really to teach character. Um, it, it goes much deeper than that. So he is our fourth book. I don't want to elaborate too much because I we also sell subscriptions. So basically, if you subscribe uh, on HeroesOfLiberty.com, uh, you can have choose to have an annual plan, a two-year plan, but you get a Hero of Liberty book delivered to your door every month. So we do have Margaret Toucher and John Wayne, uh, but there's much more to come, as you can imagine. And another cool thing about our books is that they also you can choose. For the books to come along with a, a cool figurine and action, an action figure of you know the hero of liberty. So we have very, very, very cute figurines that are tangible. It's something for the child and the adult, the, the parent to connect with. Uh, I personally love the Thomas Sowell figurine with the classic, if you know the the, the brownish uh, suit. Um, it's a very famous picture of him, so I love it. Uh, it's something for your office, but it's also something for the your, your children. Um, so, we have much more coming up. I mean, it's, it's really just starting and um, as uh, every small, I, I wouldn't say small, but young business, we have faced some hardships like with Facebook, you know, the big scandals that our ads account was re- recently suspended suddenly um, and we were able to overcome this with huge support coming from all across the board.
0: I was going to mention that the heroesofliberty.com you know uh, they are it's a website and i i was on it this morning and i think what a great gift that would be to give your child your grandchildren your uh, neighbor anyone you know kids you want to give a gift a book a month telling about heroes it should be a great great thing so it's heroesofliberty.com you can get subscription you get a new book every month and i want to say one other thing about the kind of content this is It is definitely, I think you said ages uh, seven to 12. And while I think that's probably true, I will tell you, I read these. My husband got them, I think around Christmas time. Anyway, whenever it was, I read them. And I am a pretty darn serious uh, student of American history. I learn things, I learn things. And so I really, I I think even adults will enjoy reading them. But the pictures, the the illustrations are very inviting uh, too, which which is a huge aspect of that. And I'll go back to your anti-wokeism thing and really commend you also and talk about how how we uh, adults adults have to try to fight this in society, I'm going to tell you that I believe among even serious educated adults, Thomas Sowell, he is the the, butt of regular criticism because he's a black American conservative economist. And he writes brilliant books, but because he's black, he is treated by the uh, leftist mentality, the woke mentality, as you know, he's not standing up for his people. He's doing something wrong because he's standing up for conservatism. So, I, I would like if, if you can just take a moment to talk about it, how different this picture is of Thomas Sowell that you portray, and what you and what the media does about him, and what the left wing view is about him.
2: Oh, wow. I think the Thomas Sowell, the, the, the biography that we have here, I would, I mean, personally, my takeaway from this book, and I'm just like you, I, I find these stories, uh, these biographies as captivating. I know my, my father just sat down in the living room yesterday and read them as a child. It, it takes you back because you read a really nice story, you learn new things, but you have these illustrations in front of you and you can't just, you know, it, it really takes you back. Even as if you're a parent, then you, you become a child and you, it's a magical moment if you you read this book for children, but I would say that it's really about, uh, you know, there's all this talk about equity, equity, and not equality now. So if you read the Thomas Sowell book, then um, the way that he he didn't want to get any favors from anyone, the way he saw education as the way to promote yourself in life, to uh, be responsible, you know, for, for your action, uh, your choices, they mean something, you know. Uh, there there's so much talk about uh, you know certain minority groups having no agency and and so on. So this book really, I, I would say tells a story that goes against it that you can push yourself no matter what you no matter where you come from, if you come from the south, you know, and back then it mattered, you know and <laughs> <The heck>? yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. you can push yourself no, no matter what your skin color is. you you can take control of your future. you can do things right now uh, to make sure that you live a, a, a meaningful life. You do have control over your actions and your actions do dictate, you know, the outcome. So now there's all this talk about equity and not equality. And I think this book, or I, I don't want to say this book, but the, the journey, the life journey that Thomas Sowell has made, uh, I think it, it teaches a, a somewhat different lesson than the one that is the, the, the very trendy ideology right now uh, that everyone's talking about. Um, so that is one thing. And I, I, would get, I will tell you that, Debbie, um, you know, it, it sounds big, uh, but by teaching these values, these American values, a, a nation lives on. I, I know that it sounds like big sentences, right? But, but it starts in, in bedtime, as simple as that.
0: I love that. And you're right, what parents choose to read to the kids at bedtime. I mean, I'm. I'm I i am don't know if you have kids, but we have kids. We certainly read to them. Uh, they're grown now, but read to them every night. The idea of reading something meaningful and thoughtful, having to think about. And I'll tell you, the other thing I love that Ronald Reagan, because he used to be, in his earlier life, he was more of a leftist or a Democrat, because that's what, uh, for a variety of reasons, that's what his life was. But I think there's also the great thing about reading about other people's lives. You learn the traits they exhibited. You learn that change is pot. You learn that, you know, you can push yourself and succeed, but you also can learn that. Yeah, you can change your mind. You can think that things were one way and think that's what truth was. And then you figure out it really wasn't it. Ronald Reagan obviously went on to become a president, just enormously revered for his confidence and his, um, uh, certainty about uh, free markets and freedom and the goodness and greatness of America. He, he really uh, w- was extraordinary in that way. So uh, Tal, I told you I would keep your interview short. I know it's late in Israel, but <laughs> want to make sure again for our listeners, they can order the books at heroesofliberty.com, And you have more coming. And I love that you came up with a subscription model. I'd love that people would do that, would, would subscribe to the books. You get new one every month. And you can read it you know, three or four times with your kids that month and then wait for the next one. And then pass them on to your cousins or whoever. Pass them on to your neighbors, too, because th- these are really, they are countering not just the narrow points that leftists will make about these people, but the larger lessons about American left. Let you close off a pitch for the books, and I'll let you go.
2: Well, simply heroesofliberty.com. We really recommend the subscription. Um, and, and this is again my takeaway. This is how a nation lives on. You you need to show these values. You need to serve as an example. And and our books, they they simply do just that. It's 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 a, a po- they all have positive messages. It's it's all positive. You know, um, it, it's a feel good story. You will smile, you will enjoy, it's enchanting, it's entertaining, it's uh, beautifully uh, illustrated, and it just, it's going to be a magical moment for you and your children.
0: I am so glad we connected, uh, first by email and then today on the show. I hope we're back in touch again very soon. I just appreciate your joining us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Debbie. Okay, my friends, you know what, we're gonna, I'm on this new thing now with the radio, so we got to be hop up on schedule. So we still have uh, like, you know, in, uh, about eight minutes or so before we go to the uh, break for the radio listeners. And well, I want to tell you what we're going to do with this uh, new setup. So the radio, our happy radio audience has a break at the bottom of the hour. Um, so you're in the East Coast is 4.30, you're here in Texas is 3.30. And But in that segment, you know, the radio audience goes off to hear the ads and, and the station, um, whatever the station puts on. Uh, but here, this show rolls and rocks and rolls right along. So I'm going to do a little mini segment for that three minutes for our online listeners every single day, a little, uh, you know, the... Just kind of the online listeners and me talking uh, while the uh, radio folks are off hearing their ads. And then they'll come right back and we'll finish the show. The show is one solid hour every day. But uh, in the three minutes today, I'll just tease it to tell you that I'm going to play a segment that uh, was from a hearing today in the United States Senate. Senator Ted Cruz in the great state of Texas, which happens to be where I am, but Senator Cruz uh, asked some very pointed questions of the um, of a person testifying on behalf of the uh, FBI about whether or not there were FBI agents and informants at the January 6th riot. Asked a series of pointed questions, and every single American needs to understand what the answers were and how hidden they were. But that's I'm going to be discussing. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, I'm do two quick things uh, as, as we're on the way to the bottom of the hour. One is to mention to you uh, our website for our new listeners, org americacanwetalk.org at our website you can find uh, all of our past shows past interviews our very popular why it matters series uh, which we do at the close of every show that's one other little piece that our radio listeners will miss at the close of the radio hour we have three more minutes i'm going to do my why it matters in that segment uh, but you can read them on our website at AmericaCanWeTalk.org. You can also at our website, subscribe to a weekly newsletter. If you go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org, hit that subscribe button. Uh, once a week, weekly newsletter comes from me. We're actually in the midst of redoing our website and redoing uh, the appearance of our newsletter, but you'll get it every Friday, summarizes the show. I never sell that list to anyone. It's just available for you to catch up on the weekend, for you miss shows, to share the show. You can forward the email to your friends great way to stay in touch is to do that, to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, you can also get in our texting system. If you have, if your cell phone, if you text to 53445, to 53445, just put in the word America, that's it. And when you send that in, you get a quick message back from me. Another way we stay in touch with our listeners is to uh, through our texting system. I also want to mention this show, uh, which I have done since 2014, for those just getting to know me 2014, I started doing the show. And um, we have been, we have survived pretty much uh, advertisement free. So we are a show that just uh, uh, counts on listener support, but there are some ways you can help out and support this show that are even uh, kind of fun and good for you. One is if you have ever gone to My Pillow, MyPillow.com? At My Pillow, this is an, a, a company that has been banned by the left, has been shut down by the left, so you can no longer buy My Pillow, the pillows, or any other of their dozens of products. You can't buy them in the uh, big box stores. You can't buy them in the department stores. You can only buy them online. My husband and I use. Uh, we purchased many pillows, uh, bath towels, best quality imaginable, uh, sheets bath robes, uh, the uh, the um, slippers. And so if you want a way to support this show and get some really great stuff for yourself, you can go to mypillow.com. You can see from the ad you're looking at there or on radio, I'll just tell you at mypillow.com and you can save up to 66%. Up to 66% by using the promo code Debbie G, D E B B I E G. My last name is Georgiana. So, promo code Debbie G, go to my pillow, and you can at my pillow order things um, that will come directly to your home. They're very quick, they're very responsive. You get a great discounted price. I get a small piece of the uh, action or a little donation toward the show to keep this show rolling. So, I urge you to do that. want we'll to make sure you know about that. I also want to mention, and this, uh, before we get to the bottom of the hour, that we have uh, in Texas and around the country, uh, we are hitting primary season. And primary season means that many of your elected officials, whether it's your member of the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, whether it is a member of the, um, at your state legislature, your state Senate, state house, there are a lot of races up in the air right now and a lot of concern about what's going to happen to our country many many serious conservatives deeply disturbed by the direction of our country under the biden administration we actually like that we used to have a border we want to have a border we want our freedom back from covid And we also want to feel like we, the people, are in charge of our country. We, the people, actually, under the Constitution and the entire vision of America that came in the Declaration, we, the people, are the ones who are the sovereign. Like the king used to be the sovereign in the monarchy, or the king and the queen were the sovereign. In America, we are the sovereign, we are the rulers, and we elect our elected officials, and they are supposed to be responsive to us. Much of that got derailed in recent years. The idea that we, the people had authority, we had in Washington a growing um, deep state, uh, they use the term deep state now, a ruling elite. People have been there a long, long time as House members and members of the Senate and in state legislatures around the country, and even lower level positions, city councils and county commissioner courts We have people who've kind of become professional politicians. They simply believe their job is, their role is to stay in place and rule you. That is the point of their thinking about politics. But it's really important for you to think of the fact that you really are the sovereign. Every election cycle, the American people decide who it is they wanna have in charge and making policy. And if you are a voter who every election season waits till about the day before the elections and says, Wow, wonder who's running. And then you go in and you look at the list of names on the list, you go, oh yeah, it's so-and-so. Don't we always vote for him? We always vote for her. And you just vote that way. You are voting to perpetuate the growing ruling elite mindset in Washington. I am not saying that all incumbent politicians are bad. I am not saying that many incumbents are great. I love some members of the US House, a small number, and some members of the US Senate. But in this campaign season, you'll hear from people running for governor, running for Congress, all this, the uh, lieutenant governor, attorney general, you'll hear that there are challengers. I really urge you as a responsible patriot, as someone who's who's been vested with, or the recipient of the astonishing uh, gift that America is, a gift of self-governance to the American people, to take the time to look at these primary candidates now. Look and see who's challenging your governor. Look and see who is challenging your, uh, whether it's your governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, congressman, senator. Take some time to look at them and ask yourself, do I really like the direction of the country? And if I don't like the direction of the country, do I really trust that if we could, for example, get a Republican majority in the House or Senate, do I trust these people in there? Will they actually implement? Will they actually do what they say they'll do? Take the time to study these people now. Here in the great state of Texas, we have prime early voting starts. I think it's February 14th coming right up. So we have early voting in the primaries, and we have the opportunity to say we are the we are the people, we are the sovereign, and in America, the elected officials govern by the consent of the governed. But you cannot be a responsible voter if you don't even look at the primary candidates. If you just go in and push the button for whoever it is has represented you in the past. We're coming up on a break for our radio listeners. I will talk to you after this brief three-minute break. This is Debbie George Dennis, America Can we Talk, talked after the break. Now I want to go back with the um, people who are in our online audience. And I sent to Mr. Becker. I can't, he's trying to signal, man. I don't know what he's saying in there. Anyway, okay, he's saying, he's saying good. Okay, Anyway. I want to tell you, we have this little three-minute break in here, and this is just for online listeners, uh, so I'm going to deviate from what we've been talking about in the show, because we're going to go back after the uh, break, we're going to go back to the whole story of Project Veritas and what has been exposed about Fauci, but what I want to do with Mr. Becker, there is a clip I sent to him. This is Senator Cruz in the great state of Texas talking today in the Senate, interviewing a person who is testifying on behalf of the FBI with respect to January 6th. Let's play that clip, Mr. Becker.
3: I want to turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th?
2: Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I
3: can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants informants actively actively participate in the events of January January 6th? 6th, Yes or no? Yes Yes or no? Sir, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th?
2: 6th. I can't answer that, sir.
3: Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? 6th. Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? Epps?
0: Yeah. I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him.
3: Well, there are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, Tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day, the next day, on January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades?
0: I want to tell you, folks, if you're not grasping, we're coming up on the radio listeners coming back with us, what is going on there. This is the FBI refusing to acknowledge the depth and degree, degree of their involvement in stirring up everything that happened on January 6th. January 6th. And welcome back to our Brighton Radio listeners. Thank you so much. I'm grateful for you, grateful for being with us. We played in the clip on the break, and I'll probably play it another day in the show, we we played a clip of Texas Senator Cruz interviewing in the Senate, a Senate hearing, an FBI official asking essentially, what is it? who is this Ray Epps guy? Were there FBI officials involved on the January 6th operation undercover? Were there FBI officials who committed violence? He had a series of questions. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated? A series of extremely relevant, reasonable questions. And every single answer from the FBI official was, I'm sorry, sir, I can't answer that. Please mark my words. You've been over the January 6th incident uh, on the show numerous times. We'll go over it again. We're going to dedicate a deep dive Monday, which is my feature of my Monday shows, a deep dive. We're going to do a deep dive Monday on January 6th sometime. But understand what you just heard on that little video, or you can read about it online. Or if you're on our, go to our website, americacanbetalk.org. You can read about it there because we'll have this, this whole story up on our website. You are watching the FBI admit in an open hearing in the Senate that they were heavily in the middle of stirring up everything that happened on January 6th, not actively trying to protect the citizens, not actively, actively trying to uh, protect the members of Congress. They were there as instigators. They were there as people stirring up action and then using it later uh, to go after and criticize and prosecute Trump and Trump support, Trump supporters who were in Washington. The January 6th episode in Washington was an FBI operation, at least in great part. They were in the middle of making that day a day that the left could use to turn on Trump, Trump supporters, and eventually to repress free speech. And before I'm on that topic, before I get, we're going to go back uh, in just a few minutes, going to go back here to uh, what's occurred uh, with the um, release of the tape from Project Veritas and them telling uh, that they've got these documents now from the Department of Defense acknowledging how deeply deceptive Anthony Fauci is. But to finish this point about January 6th, I wanna urge you to tomorrow to tune into this show. Tomorrow we have joining us uh, a brilliant former CIA operative and friend, Sam Faddis. He's based in the Washington, no, he's based in Pennsylvania, uh, East Coast guy, but he is a former CIA operative. He's a founder of AND Magazine along with his wife. And he is going to talk with us about many things, including the idea that if you think the the government uh, is going to start to watch people's behavior and go after them, uh, what he's talking about is, remember the movie Minority Report, Minority Report, and it had uh, Tom Cruise was in it, and this whole thing, the entire police function was about, they had these these, uh, magical precog people who could predict crime, and they would arrest you before you committed the crime. They would, they, they, these precog people allegedly could tell the future, so they would arrest you before you even committed the crime. That's what this, the movie was about, Minority Report. This story that Sam Faddis is breaking is about the idea of the contemplation by federal agencies already insidiously involved as they were in January 6th, talking about the idea that they also are capable of identifying people who may be problematic who may be, because of online statements, Maybe people who may do something in the future, maybe they don't know, but using that as a basis to uh, do what to them? Well, I don't know. Arrest, prosecute, um, before you've even done anything wrong. It gets very creepy. So Sam Faddis on tomorrow. He's also going to talk about Kazakhstan, so there'll be a great interview tomorrow with Sam Faddis. But back to our time, we still have plenty of time today, and I want to dive more into what is going on with... Uh, we talked about a little bit earlier today, If you're just tuning in, we talked about Project Veritas. Uh, James O'Keefe, wonderful organization, digs in and digs out truth, shares it with the public, uh, things being hidden from you that you really do have a right to know. And one of them, what he released last night and is now just exploding online, uh, is a series of documents out of the Department of Defense that show specifically that back in 2020, when COVID hit America, when we had COVID just coming, we had maybe it was February or March, we started to realize COVID was a really big problem and it was spreading around America. Uh, We had the DOD acknowledging that they had been approached by a private agency, a a private group that approached them and wanted them, to a function, wanted to uh, be involved in gain of function research with the Wuhan lab in China. And the DOD DARPA group said, no, we're not going to do this. This entity within the DOD DARPA said, no, can't do that. And Anthony Fauci said, sure, I'll do that. NIH money, sure, I'll do that. So you have DOD acknowledgement, if, if what is being presented by James O'Keefe is accurate, DOD acknowledgement that Fauci did fund gain of function research after he said, he didn't. And he wouldn't. He testified in open Senate, Dr. Anthony Fauci, that he had nothing to do with gain of function research. And I think, Mr. Becker, you were saying you came in on the break. You can get that clip now. Of, of Fauci. Uh, yes, I
1: think that uh, we have the heated clip of uh, the back and forth between Fauci and Paul. You go. All right. Let's roll that. The email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me, if you look at the email, that you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it, we got something in Wired Magazine. No, 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 I think in usual fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you ever object to Dr. Collins' characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me. I did not that. You responded to it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna at a different point. You know, I'm sure this is all my fault. I tried to send Mr. Becker clips, and I may not have grabbed the right thing, but let me explain why, why this is so relevant. So Rand Paul, a US Senator and a doctor, has in the past interviewed Fauci, Dr. Fauci under oath, and he asked Fauci numerous times, did you fund gain of function research? And Fauci goes, mm, I, no, 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 we didn't do that. In fact, it might've been the original clip, um, Mr. Becker I think uh, maybe- the, uh,
1: clip one the Project Veritas clip
0: um, yeah let's just play that whole clip the whole clip of Project Veritas
1: all right here it comes Project Veritas has obtained never-before-seen military documents regarding the origins of COVID-19 gain-of-function research vaccines potential treatments which have been suppressed and the government's effort to conceal all of this Dr. Anthony Fauci has testified many times before Congress stating that the U.S. government was never involved in gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Will you today finally take some responsibility for funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Senator, with all due respect, I disagree with so many of the things that you've said. First of all, gain-of-function Is a very nebulous term but the thing is is you're still unwilling to admit that they gained in function when they say they became sicker they gained in lethality it's a new virus that's not gain of function according to the definition that is currently (laughs) operable we're not going to get anywhere close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment you won't admit that it's dangerous and for that lack of judgment i think it's time that you resign
0: okay i want to just get this point this is Fauci and, and, um, and Senator Rand Paul going back and forth, the significance is that Fauci, I said this in the first five, Fauci's answer to Rand Paul and various answers he gave in the Senate is just like Bill Clinton, who said, well, it depends on the meaning of is, depends what is means, what is is. Fauci is trying to dance around the use of language that exists in regulation to say, well, it wasn't really funding gain-of-function. And what the DOD documents are revealing is exactly what he did, that the organization that approached DARPA, the the, uh, sub-entity of DOD, and said, you know, hey, we have a great idea. Why don't you uh, help us fund gain-of-function research? And DARPA within the DOD said, we can't do that because it violates our ban. We are banned. We're not going to do gain-of-function. And, and but they found Dr. Fauci willing to do that, and he did indeed do that. That's what appears in these documents now that James O'Keefe is revealing to America that he got from the DOD. Also, interesting to consider, somebody in the DOD actually had to have given these documents to the Project Veritas folks, to James O'Keefe or others. Stop and think about that. And these are like really, really, you know, prote- highly guarded, protective, secret documents. I don't know they're. Actual classification, you know, secret, top secret, whatever their categories are, but they weren't supposed to be public. But which tells you that somebody inside the DOD does not like what's happening. They do not like that Anthony Fauci has been lying to the American people about whether or not the NIH money, which is your tax dollars at work, NIH money, was used to fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. And then the second point is that the DOD documents, according to James O'Keefe, reveal that the the DOD knew, the American military knew, in April 2020, that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin was, in their word, curative of COVID. And yet we've endured, in America, deaths from COVID, because those people suffering were told, well, you don't really want to go. You can't really go there. You can't. Um, you know, we can't have you. Um, you know, get rely on these unreliable, scary medications. Who knows? Ivermectin could be side effects. Who knows? In fact, you had the entire establishment, not just in Washington and the NIH and Fauci, but this whole U.S. medical establishment, and then downstream was all the state boards of um, the board of medical boards uh, all over the country. Um, Taking that as as you know truth, I mean, Fauci says I, ivermectin doesn't work. Um, hydroxychloroquine's bad, and so patients were told not to get it. Still being today, still pharmacies in America across the country are saying to people, "Sorry, we don't do ivermectin. You can't have it," and, and so and won't previ- prescribe it. Same with hydroxychloroquine, even when doctors say it works. So now it is apparently obvious from what O'Keefe has come up with from the DOD. Someone gave him the documents that say, actually, as a matter of fact, the DOD is known since, since April of 2020. Which leads me to things I wanna say about Dr. Fauci. He was never intended to be America's doctor. He has never treated a COVID patient in his life, never. He hasn't practiced medicine in like 100 years. I don't know what the real number of years is, but decades and decades. He doesn't practice medicine. He sits up in a ruling class lab, a ruling class office in Washington, um, and is is integrally involved with the uh, NIH, CDC, uh, FDA, all of them working together, functioning with, and, and, and intermingled like a bunch of slithering snakes with the pharmaceutical companies that produce these vaccines and the pharmaceutical companies need to have new vaccines to be profitable. All these medications like and hydroxychloroquine, they have been patented and they are therefore not um, money makers for anyone anymore because the patents have elapsed. And so these are just not money makers. So they're not thinking what's the best way to keep America healthy? They're thinking, what's the best way to make sure you have these pharmaceutical companies who are in bed with their own regulators, absolutely in bed with the regulators, who no longer regulating them, they're working with them, pushing America toward the vaccines, which have had disastrous consequences. We'll get to that in a moment. All when apparently, unless the DOD was so top secret that they never mentioned all this to Anthony Fauci, that Fauci had no idea that the DOD actually had proof of the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine and of ivermectin. I also want to urge you, if you haven't listened to my show before, if you are new radio listeners or you're new online, I urge you to go back and look at the interview we had last week, this past Thursday, just, just a few, um, you know, five days ago, six days ago, go back to the interview we did, our Thursday, very special shows on Thursday. Thursday shows are special because we have an in-studio audience and it's one person interviewed for a whole hour. It's really, really fun. Anyway, go back and listen to that full interview of Dr. Brian Artis, A-R-D-I-S. Dr. Brian Artis presented compelling information in that interview, talking essentially about the idea that at the time, Dr. Fauci, not just recommended, but mandated that the only treatment hospitals were permitted to give to patients suffering from COVID who were admitted to the hospital because of COVID was a a medication called Remdesivir, or as Brian Ardis called it, run death is near, remdesivir. And he said, Fauci said that he supported remdesivir because of the results of two studies, which he recited. He said, these two studies show this seems to be the most effective to dealing with COVID. And so Brian Ardis goes and reads the studies and says, you got to be kidding me. Both studies show remdesivir is deadly, was the worst performing drug, did not make people better. And And yet Fauci has been untouchable in this whole time. I mean, here we are. We're in January 2022. Fauci has been pushing remdesivir, pushing vaccines, shutting down advocacy, shutting down uh, belief and trust in the uh, medications like hydroxychloroquine uh, and ivermectin. I, I mean, people, if there ever was a description of criminal conduct, this has to be it. Actually ask yourself, what's the reason this would not be considered criminal on the part of Dr. Fauci? Now, if he's going to say, I don't know if he has his talking points ready, I don't know if he knew this was going to come out, I'm going to guess maybe he, Fauci, did not know that Project Veritas got this information, they were going to release it as they have, that somebody in the DOD gave them internal DOD documents. I don't know if Fauci knew it was coming or not, but they are got to be working on their talking points And one obvious place for Fauci to go is say, well, I'd, I wish they had told me, heck, you know, I didn't know. I don't think so. I don't think you, that you just don't get a pass on that. You don't get a pass on saying, you know, I, I just didn't even know, the, the, uh, this massive entity in the federal government knew, and I was out there saying, you know, um, that, that both hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin don't work. I mean, I, I would think some of the DOD would say, hey, wait a minute, actually, Dr. Fauci, they do. I don't know what his talking points will be. He's going to have some talking points, that somehow he hasn't done anything wrong, and the willing accomplices and the anti-American left-wing media, the mainstream media mob, will jump up and down defending Fauci. Whatever the talking points are, they'll all repeat them. They'll all say, oh, yeah, not Fauci's fault. What are you talking about? And and so we'll continue down the road. But this should be, this is so serious. If these DOD documents say what James O'Keefe says they say, this is so serious that every member not just Republicans, every member of the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate ought to be calling for Dr. Fauci's resignation and to refer the matter for investigation. Sadly, in America, no one trusts the Department of Justice, so I don't know who you can have investigate him, but this is, this is criminal if, he, if all these facts are true. If he let Americans die, and you and I, I know people who said, well, you know, my doctor says, yeah, you can't, yeah, can't do that. Oh, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. And, and they didn't get those medications. But the numbers of people who died because of COVID, you have to lay some of those deaths, those numbers, at the feet of Anthony Fauci for what we now know, assuming what we hear from Veritas is true, Project Veritas, what we now know. Two other things have happened in the world that are just astonishing uh, and good developments. Um, One is that there's a Rachel Walensky, Dr. Rochelle, um, I always get her name wrong, Dr. Walensky anyway, um, who's the head of the CDC, she's a CDC director. I want you to think about three things she's admitted recently, I I call this coming cleaner on COVID. Originally, everybody is told, you know, once we have these vaccines, at the end of 2020, we had them into 2021, oh yeah, vaccines for everybody. You've been told originally, Biden said it, Rolinski said it, all sorts of people in the federal government, oh yeah, yeah. You get the vaccines and then you know you won't get COVID. You won't get COVID, you'll be protected. Well, it turns out that's not true. And everyone's realizing, okay, actually, you can be vaccinated, you can be double vaccinated, you can be double vaccinated and get the booster, and you can still contract COVID. But recent admissions by uh, Ms. D- uh, Dr. Walensky of the CDC um, were also the idea that the um, vaccine, uh, is, it does not stop the transmission of COVID. I mean, she's now admitting what used to be considered conspiracy theory, crazy stuff. It does not prevent the transmission of COVID. It doesn't stop you from getting it. It doesn't stop you from spreading it. So, the vaccines, and you can still get sick. And the vaccines had, if you go back to Dr. Brian Artis' interview in our show last Thursday, the three top vaccine manufacturers in America are all talking about how long they think the vaccine, which doesn't prevent transmission and doesn't prevent you spreading it, the vaccine, how long they think their vaccines are effective. Two of them said six months, another one said two months. The major vaccine manufacturers saying this doesn't last very long. So, you got CDC. Walensky now saying, actually, you know, um, it doesn't really pre- tra- prevent transmission at all. Um, our vaccines are, she says, they're working exceptionally well, uh-huh. but what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. So they, they can't prevent transmission, which is the entire reason that you would take it. They don't prevent you from getting sick. Her second point is, this is a huge point. Part of what happened with COVID was the American uh, legal response coming, really pushed by Fauci, but immediately embraced by leaders around this country uh, who were willing to shut down freedom, shut down businesses, shut down the economy, shut down people in their homes. Tell them, you have know, f- freeze in place? Uh, you know, shelter in place. We got a mi- major crisis. And early on, many many doctors were saying, we never respond to a vaccine uh, to a virus like this. We never respond to a virus like this. Early on, doctors saying, you don't quarantine the healthy. You don't force them to stay home. But the immediate hysterical response, which also lay at Fauci's feet, along with Dr. Deborah Burks and others in the federal agencies and then at the state level, everyone just kind of went along with them, was the idea that somehow we're going to quarantine the healthy. Well, and actually one reason the doctors kept saying you don't quarantine the healthy is you damage your immune system when you don't get out in the real world, when you're not interacting in the real world. That was one reason to say the healthy should be allowed to go up. The other thing though was that many, many doctors were saying for people without comorbidities, people who are healthy otherwise, this is not a lethal virus. there's 99.8% survival rate for pretty much everybody Except if you have comorbidities, and all along the CDC, uh, Walensky, Fauci, NIH, the whole rigmarole at the federal level was pushing the idea that that this, this virus was so dangerous to everyone that everyone had to get uh, had to stay home when they're told everyone had to get the vaccine, even though the disease was not lethal to them. And so you have now finally Walensky, one of her second acknowledgments this week, is actually COVID she finally acknowledged when she was on Good Morning America, COVID admitted the overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people, listen to this, people, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. Meaning, as uh, although the medical establishment tried to mock this previously, the healthy are not at risk overwhelmingly not at risk of death from covid over 75% of current people who had at least four comorbidities. So, if you're healthy, you really didn't have to be shut at home and shut down your business and lose your job and lose your income. And and, uh, all the things that happened to America were unnecessary. Many, 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 many doctors were saying this throughout this whole COVID nightmare of 2020 and 2021, saying, it's kind of crazy how we're acting here. And yet you had Walensky, Fauci, most of the people on the medical establishment saying, oh, no, 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 everybody's got a in place. As it turned out, uh, they have said, you know, that they're actually, um, you know, 70, over 75% were people with comorbidities, over four co- comorbidities, at least four. So it means you have, I mean, you can list them, but you know, obesity, diabetes, it uh, have to have two more to even fit in the category uh, that they're talking about. So this is, this is like truth is springing to the surface, despite the effort of the anti-American left to repress it. Truth is springing to the surface despite the effort of the anti-American left to repress it. On the subject of January 6th, that's happening. On the subject of the COVID, that's happening. One more thing that uh, Dr. Walensky had to say um, is that she's, she's now willing to draw the distinction. She was asked about the difference between deaths from COVID, meaning COVID caused death and, uh, and, and uh, death with COVID, meaning you passed away and you had COVID in your system but COVID didn't kill you. And so it's huge, huge to understand this distinction. Death, COVID, uh, COVID that uh, caused death and COVID you happen to have but didn't cause death. Your death was caused by something else, but you happened to have COVID. So we had, for example, uh, in America, we had truly in Washington state in May of 2020, they had a, um, an official who found that the state's health department was Overreported COVID 19 uh, cases by 13% by counting anyone who tested positive for COVID 19 and subsequently died, even though COVID 19 didn't kill them. You had a place in, you had gunshot victims killed by gunshot, but counted uh, in Colorado as COVID deaths. Because they had COVID uh, in their system, even though it was the gunshot that killed them. Same thing with a motorcycle victim, motorcycle crash victim in Florida. I'm getting at the point. Linsky was finally asked, "Can you distinguish between deaths from COVID, as as being deaths caused by COVID and de- COVID, and deaths with COVID? You had COVID, but that's not what killed you." I will remind our listeners again. Italy finally did their review several, uh, like a couple months ago. Italy gave their review of all the information that they've been putting out and said essentially that they were going to have to revise down their COVID deaths by 97%. We're see almost out of time for our radio listeners. I want to tell you, thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. Go to the website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Talk to you next time. Okay, folks, so now we have our last little segment of the show uh, just with us chickens, uh, just with our online listeners. Um, And I want to just, on the online listeners, tell you thank you so very much everyone who listens to this show. I so appreciate you. I close out the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we talked about Project Veritas exposes Fauci. Project Veritas released video describing DoD documents which implicate Dr. Anthony Fauci. They appear to show Fauci went ahead with gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab, despite DOD view that it was too dangerous and that it violated the U.S. moratorium on gain-of-function. Appear to show Fauci and many others knew since April of 2020 that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin were curative for COVID, yet denounced and blocked them from general patient availability. Add Dr. Aris's interview on America Can We Talk on January 6th, just this past Thursday. You can see it at our website at AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Specify Dr. Fauci's actions in propping up remdesivir to the exclusion of all their therapies, despite studies that he relied on demonstrating a very high mortality rate with this drug. If the project video expose is authentic, a case is building that suggests Fauci lied about the lab leak likelihood, he lied about safety and efficacy of remdesivir, he lied about and suppressed information about the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin since April 2020. And thousands died as a result of dangerous treatment or no treatment at all in reliance on Fauci. This is in fact criminal behavior. And on the CDC, coming cleaner on COVID, official CDC position now is vaccines don't do much and COVID wasn't as serious as feared. Vaccines do not prevent catching or transmitting COVID. 75% of COVID deaths involved patients with at least four comorbidities, i.e. very sick people. Data separating deaths from COVID versus with COVID to be released soon by the CDC. This distinction was not acknowledged by CDC for nearly two years. Early exclusive CDC focus on any and all COVID deaths led to massive unjustified fear. Two things can be true at the same time. The COVID disease, disease afflicted thousands with serious illness and even death, and each instance is sad and regrettable. And Fauci's dishonest actions made a difficult situation horribly worse and created clearly foreseeable dangers, including death from promoting remdesivir and blocking hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. And that, my very fine friends, is American Can We Talk for today. In closing for the show today, I want to urge you, number one, go to uh, subscribe to the newsletter, join American Can we Talk for $50 a year, best deal, you'll, the benefits are explained on the website. And then always remember, please to tune in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to American Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Boys, like
3: and we talk truth about America.